Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, while it was still dark, while it was still dark. Good morning. It's Easter Sunday morning, very early. It's still dark. In fact, it's about the same time it was when Mary Magdalene found the empty tomb. It's really quiet in my neighborhood this morning. It's been really quiet all week. Everybody's hunkered down. Everybody's locked down. Everybody's sheltering in place. You know, what's interesting is on that first Easter Sunday morning, the disciples were hunkered down. They were sheltering in place. The scripture says that, that they locked themselves in because of the fear of an outside threat. They had all been following Jesus. He had committed insurrection, had been executed, and they didn't know if they were next. It's so interesting. We're, we're, we're in a similar situation. All of us are hunkered down. We're all sheltering in place. We're all locked down because of an outside threat. And we don't know what's going to happen next either. It must have been so strange when Mary Magdalene ran to the tomb and found it empty. I mean, it would have been a very strange thing for that to happen even in the daylight. Imagine that it was happening while it was still dark. Things are just scarier in the dark. All of us are in the dark right now. I mean, we are absolutely operating in the dark. We don't know uh, if we're going to be locked down for three weeks or for three months. We don't know what the outcomes are going to be. We don't know about what's going to happen with the economy. We're in the dark. We're in the dark about what's going to happen with our friends, our jobs, our, our families, our health, our country, our world. We, we are literally operating in the dark. And the dark can be a frightening place can be a terrifying place. But as we're going to find out, God often does his very best work while it's still dark. I want to talk to you for just a few moments this morning on the subject, while it was still dark.
you know, the hard part about operating in the dark is that when we don't know, when we don't know what the outcome is going to be, when we're operating in the dark, when we're uncertain and the future is ambiguous, our minds can kind of go to dark places. I don't know if you noticed Mary Magdalene's reaction when she found the empty tomb. Because there are a lot of things she could have thought. Maybe Joseph of Arimathea took the body to add some spices or to add some oil or, you know, I mean, she could have come up with different scenarios, but her mind immediately went to something criminal. She said to Peter and to John the Beloved, she said, they've taken the Lord's body and we don't know where they put him. I mean, her mind immediately went to the most nefarious, the most evil, the most criminal kind of act that she could imagine. I know that happens to us sometimes too. When we're, when we're in a dark time, our minds can go to dark places. I don't know where your mind has been going during this crisis, but during this period while we're in the dark, I know that a lot of people are experiencing a lot of anxiety and a lot of worry and anger, some anger and resentment, um, all kinds of emotions, emotions that are related to grief. People are feeling lonely. People are feeling isolated. Our minds can just sometimes go to, to dark places when we're in the dark. And I wonder, I wonder where Simon Peter's mind was when Mary came to him in the dark and said, Jesus's body is gone. I mean, can you imagine what was going through his mind? Jesus' most vocal and zealous follower, so full of confidence, so full of hope. But in Jesus's darkest hour, he let him down. He denied him, not once, but three times, racing to the tomb in the dark. His heart must have been pounding with fear and anxiety and uncertainty. Or John the Beloved, he had been so close to Jesus. Jesus knew him better than anyone in the world. And Jesus loved him. Jesus believed him. Jesus was proud of him. Imagine how confusing this time was for him. What would become of him now? Or Judas, his mind had been completely taken over by the darkness, filled with disappointment, filled with despair that Jesus wasn't who he thought he was, who Judas thought he was, and totally overwrought with shame and confusion at what he had done. He couldn't see any light at all, and he took his own life. Or Mary Magdalene, her heart and mind totally a blur. He had saved her. He had healed her. He had given her a life worth living. What happened? Where are you, God? I I can't see you in the dark. Someone must have stolen the body, she said. The hard thing is that when we're in the dark, we cannot understand what's happening. We cannot see what God is doing in the dark. But the irony is that God does his best work in the dark. Even from the very beginning, Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God said, 
let there be light. And there was light. He created his greatest masterpiece, the universe, in the dark. And then, at the resurrection of Jesus, he redeemed his greatest masterpiece in the dark. If you remember the scripture at the very beginning of John 20 says that Mary Magdalene went to the tomb very early in the morning while it was still dark. What that means is that the resurrection happened while it was still dark. Jesus rose from the tomb while it was still dark. The work that he had been doing was happening when no one knew what was happening, when everyone thought God had abandoned them, when everybody thought God was absent. He wasn't absent. He had been working, but he had been working in the dark. That's amazing. That means that what you're going through right now, the experience that you're going through, the feeling, the sense of where is God, just know that he is operating right in the midst of this darkness. In fact, one scripture in the Gospel of John says, in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shined in the darkness and the darkness could not comprehend it. In other words, when we're in darkness, we can't understand, we can't comprehend, we can't, we can't, we can't fathom what God is doing. But God is doing work right here, right now in the darkness. In fact, God is doing a work in you right now while it's still dark. The disciples weren't able to see what God was doing until after the sun began to rise. Well, that's the beautiful thing about God is that he doesn't leave us in the dark. When we're in a dark period in our own life, it's hard to see what God is doing in us and to us and for us. It's hard to see it. But when the dawn begins to rise, when the light begins to shine, then in retrospect, we can look back and say, oh, wow, God has actually been doing work in me during this dark time. We still don't know how long we're going to be in lockdown and and what the health outcomes are going to be and what the financial impact is going to be of the crisis that we're in right now. But on the other hand, as followers of Jesus, we have seen a great light. The dawn is beginning to shine for us. And we can already begin to see what God is doing in us, to us, and for us in the midst of the darkest time of our lives. We can already begin to see that God is doing work in us in the the midst of the darkness. I spoke with my pastor this week, Bishop Claude Alexander, on a Facebook live stream, uh, lunch with the pastor we do every week. And one of the things that he said really struck me, he said that God is using this time to remind us of our reliance on him. In fact, he's using this time of disruption, the disruption to our rhythms and our routines to remind us that he's always been in control. You see, one of the things that we're grieving is we, we're losing the illusion of control. We thought we were in control. We thought we were in control of, of our schedule. 
and we thought we were in control of our finances and our health and our, we thought we were in control of our lives. And what this crisis has done is reminding us that no, God is in control. In fact, Jesus, his followers, truly believed that they were in control the week before the crucifixion. Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Everyone started saying, Hosanna, our king is here, waving palm branches. They thought that they were taking control. They thought they were taking over. They thought they were going to be in charge. And that illusion of control was wildly disrupted the night that Jesus was arrested and then beaten and then crucified. Wildly disrupted. Their illusion of control went away immediately. In fact, the scripture says that they were so afraid that they were all together with the doors locked. They were quarantining themselves from the outside world. They were sheltering in place and the doors, the scripture says, were locked. But then there's a really beautiful passage of scripture in John 20 and it says this, it says, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. In other words, even though they couldn't come out, he came in. Today, even though you can't come out of your house, we can't come and congregate at church, we can't come and fellowship together like we love to do, we can't come to our Shaw campus and our U-City campus and all be together like we love to do, even though we can't come out, Jesus can come in. Jesus can come in this morning into your family room, into your dining room, into your kitchen and say, peace be with you. Because your peace is not based upon your rhythms or your routines. It's not even based upon, as much as I love to come and, and congregate, our peace is not based on that. Our peace is based in Christ and Christ will come and find you. When you can't come out, he will come and find you. He'll find you in your heartbreak. He'll find you in your hardship. He'll find you in your frustration. He'll find you in the midst of the health crisis that you may be experiencing. He'll find you in the midst of the financial disruption that you're experiencing. He'll find you in the midst of uh, the stress and the strain of the relationship that you're in right now. He will come and find you when the doors are locked. He will come and stand with you and say, peace be with you. And through this time of darkness, God is not only using it to remind us of our reliance upon him, but he's also using it to refine us into the men and women that he has called us to be. You see, from the very beginning, the scripture has called the church, the body of Christ. That's the central metaphor for what the church is. It's a body, a body is an organism. It's not an institution. The church is not an institution. It is, it's a body. It's an organism. And when a body is put under pressure, when an organism is put under pressure and, and environments change, that, that organism, if it's healthy and robust, it adapts. 
God is using this time to adapt us, to refine us, to refine our gifts, to refine our abilities, to refine our skills, to refine our mission, to refine who we are. That's what healthy organisms do. They just adapt to new environments. I'll give you an example from nature. The Alaskan tree frog has adapted the ability to withstand freezing temperatures by lowering its heart rate and lowering its breathing rate. And through that adaptation, it not only survives, but thrives in circumstances that other organisms would find unbearable. Another example, the okapi from the Congo. This is a very fascinating creature uh, that's developed the ability to communicate by infrasonic sounds. Those are sounds where the decibel levels are so low that the predators can't hear them. They've just adapted to to the environment so that they can continue to survive and, th and thrive. One more, the, the dragon threadfish is so deep down in the ocean that sunlight cannot penetrate uh, that deep into the water. And so the, the, the dragon threadfish has adapted the ability to emanate its own light using bioluminescence to find its prey. Just like these organisms, uh, that have adapted to their environment. The church has always been an organism. It's always been a body that's adapted to new environments. When things were hot hundreds of years ago, Roman oppression, we went underground. We went into the catacombs. We went into basement halls. We've just been, we've always been flexible. We've always been adaptable. Here's my question for you. How is God using this time to refine your gifts and your strengths and your talents how is he using this time to refine you closer into what he wants you to become? Because the, the reality is this. He wants to use this time to remind us of our reliance upon him. He wants to use this time to refine us, refine our gifts, our talents, and our abilities. But ultimately, he wants to use this time to release us into the mission that he has for us. Okay, here's the exciting part. God uses these periods of darkness not only to remind us of our reliance upon Him and not only to refine our gifts and strengths and talents, but He does those things in order to ultimately release us into the purpose, into the mission, into the vision that He has for our lives. One of my favorite scriptures, Psalm 35 says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You see, God uses the darkness in order to bring great joy and great hope and great peace and great love. And he does that not only in you and to you and for you, but he wants to do it through you. He's called us to be his emissaries, his ambassadors. In fact, when Jesus gathered his disciples before he died, he said this. He said, I'm going to leave you and you're going to grieve. You're going to go through a period of darkness but it is for your good that I'm going to leave you. In fact, he said, it is better that I leave you 
And when the disciples said, how could it be better that you leave us? How could it be for your good? How, how could it be good for us that we're going through a darkness? He said that if I don't leave you, then I won't be able to send the advocate, the Holy Spirit, to dwell in you and to empower you to become me, to become the body of Christ on the earth. You see, God is using this time to remind us who he is, refine us into our gifts and our abilities, but ultimately he's going to use this time to release us into, his, into our ultimate mission. Our mission as a church, it's Christ's mission, is to bring people and God together in love. Our mission has not changed. Our mission will not change. Our methods are being changed. But God is using this time in order to refine us, remind us, so that he might release us into his ultimate destiny. I pray that you experience the joy of Easter morning today. I pray that you'll get to look back and see what God is doing, not only in you and to you and for you, but what he's doing through you. I pray this morning that you have the happiest Easter morning ever. Happy Easter to everyone. He is risen. He is risen indeed.